welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Round 3 Rep. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. would like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans. How are you doing, Aaron? Good, Pete. Thanks for having me. We had this showdown on Saturday night for Round 3, and that game was thoroughly entertaining, but quite intense as well. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I mean, it kind of delivered all the hype that we hoped from a showdown. Historically, I guess... There's more better games than poor ones in South Australia, which sometimes doesn't happen with the Western Derby. But, um, yeah, there, there is a pure hatred between these two clubs when they come together and they put everything on the line. And, and there was just a lot of build to this outside of that state-based rivalry and the battle for supremacy. Both clubs were desperate to win. You know, Port Adelaide, uh, after a 71-point loss to Collingwood, had to show something. And Adelaide, meanwhile, could have been 0-3 had they lost. So, um, yeah, there was this little underlying storyline, I guess, that, Adelaide played that 36-degree heat game in Sydney and then had to back it up six days later against Richmond. And and maybe we just hadn't seen their full potential yet because the, the build-up through their pre-season where they were so impressive was, could this be a side that could exit its rebuild and, and start to push towards the eight? And we saw that yesterday on Saturday night. It, it was a, a crow side that maintained the intensity and the high-pressure footy they'd been marketing for the whole pre-season across four quarters and they did it all the way to the end and and Port, meanwhile, it kind of confirmed our worst fears that when it gets really hard, um, you know, they can fight for a fair bit, but w- when that intense contested possession type of footy is around them, they can't hold on for four quarters. And, and they yeah, essentially rolled over at the end, which is a, a worrying sign for a list that talented. Yeah, that game was brutal um, for most of it. And Adelaide had a, an early jump and Port Adelaide certainly uh, took over the arm wrestle for quite a while there, but at three-quarter time when that game is up for grabs, it just Adelaide blew them away. So, yeah, quite intense, quite contested, and I agree with you. So that's what Adelaide were building to uh, throughout last year's as they were building and pre-season as well, and we just didn't see it the first couple of games, but that was certainly a pretty awesome performance in round three. Okay, just moving on here. So we got Jordan Dawson moving into the midfield, provided a different dynamic for Adelaide. Yeah, I really liked him in there, and, and Matthew Nix was pretty open and upfront in the preseason that they wanted him in the guts, but they just couldn't do it until that back line sorted itself out. And, and Jordan Butts coming back into the team seemed to help steady the ship, and, and I think they can start to, to utilise him more in the middle now because, yeah, the back six looks pretty solid. Uh, I think um, Jordan Dawson will start to find more of the footy. He certainly sets up play from the back half and, and puts his head over it when there's centre bounces that he's involved in. Um, a bit surprised that he got the showdown medal. It was a tough one to call. I mean, um, well, I kind of thought with 10 minutes to play that any was really anyone's. You know, There's a couple of players that easily could have won it. Uh, it was going to be you know down to the wire. But I didn't actually have Dawson in that miss of players, so he kind of crept up from nowhere. With, you know, he had I think 18 touches in the end, but um, he was impactful and, and you know he had a goal whose name as well. And um, yeah, it, it could have been Rankin, it could have been Philthorpe, it could have been Rosie or Pal Pepper. Uh, there, there was a lot of players, but um, I think the leadership of Jordan Dawson, the skill execution, and and obviously the metres gained around the park was, was certainly a, a massive strength of why Adelaide got over the line. Yeah, Dawson was awesome early in that game, but you just, I guess, faded away from an impact point of view. Uh, for me, the player that we're going to talk about next was Rolly Philthorpe. I thought he was the best player on the ground. Isaac Rankin was obviously quite outstanding, elite, and dynamic in that forward line as well. But Philthorpe finished with five goals and then Rankin four goals. Yeah, I agree. I think I would have given my three votes to, to Riley Philthorpe if I had to, purely because he had a couple of score involvements as well, um, where he set up a couple of goals for his teammates. And it's just a great sign for a kid, you know, pick two and 
Um, there's a lot off field as well with the development of Riley Philthorpe that the Crows were going to nurture him and take care of him. And, and that's why we didn't see him in the best 22 in the opening few rounds was, um, you know, they just wanted to make sure he got his confidence and he was ready that when he got into the 22, he, he wasn't going to have a really poor game that would set him back. And I think they rushed him in a little early in his career and, and he had a couple of good games, but a couple of really bad ones. Um, but he was always kind of seen heading into this year as a player that was too good for Sandville, but not, not ready for AFL. And then they decide to you leave him out of the best 22. He plays in the Sandville trial, kicks four goals, gets brought in as the sub in round two, gets on early because of injury, kicks one, comes into the showdown in good form and, and finishes with five. So it, it's really exciting. Obviously, Taylor Walker's probably heading into his last season, maybe one more, but I think he is starting to fall away a bit. So... You know, he's the future of this footy club, Riley Philthorpe. I think Elliot Himmelberg was always going to be a temporary option, but he just doesn't impact. Uh, I get that he can be handy as a ruck chop out, but Riley Philthorpe's the key forward target that you want. Sam Berry subbed ahead of this game for Adelaide. It was an interesting move from Matthew Nick Sothorpe. Yeah, I think um, all reports afterwards was that he, he did have some sort of lower leg injury, maybe an ankle or a calf, but... Um, I'm not sure if, if that was serious or it originally started as, as a tactical sub and, and that was kind of the excuse given because uh, our boundary rider Jack Paquetta did say in the moment that it, it felt tactical and then when things started to fall away and, and Jordan Butts was getting a little injured, the ice came out to Sam Berry. So I'm not sure how serious the injury possibly could be, but he's underperformed anyway in the opening stages of the season. He headed into the showdown averaging 11 touches a game and, and we kind of thought, especially here in South Australia, that this was the year he'd take that next step. He obviously had a huge tackling year last season. He'd put on a fair bit. He, he looks really muscly and big-bodied, and you kind of thought maybe he could be the solution to Adelaide's lack of superstar mids, um, and he just wasn't that. He only had five before he was subbed off, so he was kind of headed towards a 10-game once again. So um, even from a fantasy perspective, um, just get really deflating in terms of the way that he's gone about with the start of the year, so hopefully he does improve. Connor Rosie was strong in that midfield for Port Adelaide again, I thought. Yeah, I really like him. Uh, and we got the chance to speak to him post-game. He was obviously very deflated about the result. But very mature. For you know, He's still basically a kid. He's coming along. But he's kind of overtaken Ollie Wines, I think, is the best Port Adelaide midfielder right now, which is really exciting. He's got an all-round game. You know, He fights for it. He can kick goals on the scoreboard as well. He can set up on the outside. So, yeah, I really like how he's developed this year, which is... Yeah, mental, considering the start of last year, he obviously had a really slow build, um, did have an ankle injury against Brisbane in round one, but um, the, the, he finished the year incredibly strong and he's obviously backed that up at the start of this campaign. So, yeah, it feels like he could be a back-to-back John Cahill medalist. Yeah, Sam Powell-Pepper was also good in that game to take along with Conor Rosey. Um, but let's move on to the next one here. The centre-bounce usage for Jason Horn francis was still strong. Yeah, it's it's a funny one with Jason. Like I, I really like his best footy. I, I think he's a great player who, um, you know, has the potential to be a star, and he certainly will be in a, in a few years' time. What I did notice uh, again after seeing his dominant performance in round one, where in that third term he completely changed the, the landscape of that contest by, you know, his maturity, setting up plays, getting on the outside, winning the footy. Um, Whereas on Saturday night, we kind of saw more of the the disappointing side of, of Jason, like we saw against Collingwood, where he's very aggressive. His tackling is a bit loose, which is why he gave away so many frees in round two. So there's always you know that danger there that he just needs to compose himself a bit when, when it starts to get frustrating. 
Um, again, there was some vision of him where he didn't attempt to chase down and tackles, but um, I mean, most, most of those scenarios, he probably wouldn't have got there anyway, but it is a poor look, so there's going to be some scrutiny with that as well. But yeah, he does find the footy. He's certainly a good link player, and then he will be something special you know, in years' time. But his form this year, I imagine, as he settles into Port Adelaide, is going to fluctuate quite dramatically. And yeah, there'll be times where he'll dominate a quarter and then others where you won't see him at all. Yeah, I guess as he starts to mature, I think he'll just uh, formulate into a very good player for me, at least anyway. Okay, so let's move into a fantasy rep from Port Adelaide and Adelaide. So first up here, 113 points from Connor Rosie. That midfield usage is strong. Uh, again, solid scoring output from Rosie. Yeah, excellent. And, I mean, he didn't score great the week prior, but he did have that head knock in it. And, obviously, Port Adelaide got absolutely dominated by Collingwood. So, I think that was a bit of a an asterisk game. Yeah, he's going to be easily a 100 averaging player. So, you can comfortably lock him into your forward line. We, we spoke about it in the preseason. The hope was both he and Butters would be able to do that. And, and Butters, at the moment, just isn't really in their main midfield rotation, unfortunately. I think Horn Francis has almost pushed him out. But... Um, yeah, Connor Rosie is the guy. He's going to be there for the majority of those centre bounces. He's going to be fighting around the ground in the stoppages as well. And um, yeah, I have no doubts about him being a hundred to one hundred and ten player. He's a, a lock as a forward option. And unfortunately, I think from the way that he's going about his game at the moment, I don't think he'll be able to keep that forward status come next year. Yeah, that's pretty much all gone. I would presume at least. Uh, so the next one here, so Isaac Rankin, 104 points. When he hits the scoreboard, he's going to get some midfield usage there as well. He's going to score well. 104 points for him in round three. Yeah, definitely. I think um, there, there is that upside with Isaac that at his price, he, he's going to have some big games like we saw on the weekend. You know, I think he, he went up 34K this week, which is um, a pretty massive jump, a break even of 43 heading into the next round. So, I mean, if you've got that option, maybe at, a, at an F4 or F5 and you're looking for... Uh, you know, something maybe Jason Old Francis replacement if you still have him. He could be a decent option. But that being said, he's not going to kick four goals every game. And again, he's he's probably the fourth or fifth midfielder in their rotation. So he's going to get some center bounce appearances. He's going to be around the ground. Uh, don't expect 100 every week, but he certainly is underpriced at the moment. Rory Laird, 83 points. So that's the second uh, game under 100 points for him this season out of three. So again, strong midfield usage there, but you know, I guess the you know, they performed well, and he didn't score that well. So that's really interesting there. Yeah, I'm really worried about him, to be honest. Um, I, I traded him out round one for Clayton Oliver, which feels like a, a master stroke at the moment after the weekend. But he's finding a lot of the footy, Rory. It's, it's not a, a problem in terms of his role, as you mentioned. It's just the way that Adelaide's going about their footy right now. At their best, they're this high-pressure team that is going to result in him tackling. But when they win the footy off turnover, it's this fast break counter towards the 50 that's a lot of handball chains booting it long once they get towards the arc. So, uh, you know, that doesn't favour Rory. When he's, you know, scoring 140, he's getting marks and a lot of kicks. Uh, he had an even split on the weekend of 13 kicks, 13 handballs. And, and to be honest, from what I saw at the ground, he did wasn't impactful at all. I know he had a, a double-digit amount of clearances, um, but... Yeah, he's, I'm pretty sure his meters gains weren't the best, and and every time that I kind of saw him, he, he wasn't doing much with it, which is a little bit you know concerning for a player that's supposed to be the best fantasy player in the comp. So, an 83 off 26 touches is not inspiring, uh, which is a worry. I mean, he, I still think the way that he goes about it, he's going to have some massive games and he'll probably end up averaging 100 a game. But 
at his price and the break even that he was at because of that really poor round one result, it, it leaves him in an awkward spot. He's lost 25,000. He's got a break even 144 heading into next week. So you've still probably got another fortnight where he's going to drop until he starts to balance out a bit, which means, you know, at 960, maybe he drops towards 900, which would be a bargain if you can get him in at that price. But if you're holding him right now, you're about to lose a lot of value. Yeah, certainly could be a bumpy ride if that's his scoring output for the year. So next one here, so we spoke about him earlier, Jordan Dawson, 81 points, so out of that half-back rolling into the midfield and didn't hit that 100 mark. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one because, uh, again, I think it was the way the game style was that you know Jordan traditionally gets a lot of marks across half-back, especially when the Crows are settling, but it was a frantic contest in terms of a showdown. It was pretty non-stop, so... When he was in the middle, he won the footy, hit the scoreboard as expected. He can Every now and again, I reckon maybe once a fortnight, he's going to kick a goal from 55-60, just gets it on the outside and, and runs across the man who has the ball. But, um, yeah, he didn't have the marks that, that get him to 100. He only had five in the end. And I think um, when there's a bit more of a slower game player, like we're probably going to see this coming weekend against Fremantle, he'll do much better. So I wouldn't be too stressed about the 81. Um, he, he should be a 100 player. So with a strong midfield usage for Jason Horn francis he scored 68 points against Adelaide on Saturday night. So maybe, I'm not too sure if you agree with this, his scoring range could be between that 60 and 90 mark. Yeah, he he has a huge ceiling, as we saw in round one. But it's the consistency that's a huge problem, and I just don't think it's worth it at his value now. Because he had such a bad round two, um, it set him back. So, you know, his break even 71 heading into next week. And I feel like he's just going to stay around that. You know, he's averaging 66 right now. And, you know, at his best, as you mentioned, he, he could be a 90 player. I think he probably ends up averaging maybe 75, 80. But he's not the type of player at the moment that can break 100. And he will get there. But, you know, his best game is still a 90 performance. And we didn't see that on the weekend, obviously. But the, as I mentioned, the tackling, the freeze against is going to be a problem. Um, yeah, I don't like him I think he's just at a really awkward price right now for a fantasy perspective I love him as a player and I think he'll be something great and and maybe he's the guy we look at next year that that he can be an f3 f4 kind of mid-price upgrade value but I don't see that happening this year next one here is Luke Pedler so interrupted uh start to his career with injuries uh, he's had a pretty solid start to the season in that forward line for Adelaide. He's, he's actually providing plenty of impact. Scored 67 points in round three against Port Adelaide. But now, as we record this on Sunday night, he is suspended for next week. I did see that, a rough conduct charge, which I imagine the Crows will challenge because it, it doesn't really put him at risk of missing any more games. So, um, yeah, line ball as to whether or not he plays next week. And I haven't seen the vision of the incident, so I'm not sure how severe it actually is and how much danger he's in of missing that week. But, yeah, I wouldn't be trading him out regardless. Um, yeah, he's been very impressive. Obviously, had a, a couple of goals on the weekend, which, which helps add to his score. But you're right, he's getting around the ground. He, he's setting up plays, winning his own footy. Um, he's, he's not going to be a massive scorer, but he's a lot of value. You know, he, he was in the negative break evens heading into this round, then drops to 67, so I think he's negative two now. So again, he's going to he's going to gain over more of 100k more value. He's already made 130,000 in the year, so don't move him on yet, unless you're desperate for money. But I mean, even if he misses a week, he, he's not going to fall out of the best 22. He, he'll be straight back in. 
Yeah, it's going to hold for a few more weeks at least there as well. Alrighty, let's move on to a round three fantasy rep from other games. Now, on Saturday, it was really interesting because Luke Davis-Uniaki was withdrawn from that game just a, uh, was about five minutes before the first bounce, and that sent plenty of people into panic. I, I would presume most people didn't get to their computer or their app to make a change or an adjustment. Even to, It would actually probably take that much to think of a decision what to do. But, yeah, that caused plenty of panic on Saturday. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's, it's not even one of those where it's a late change when they're named an hour before bounce. That was that was as close as it gets, <laughs> and and that kills you. Like I, I didn't even know it had happened. I was driving home from um from the show in the morning, and by the time I'd got home, I'd seen all the messages about what had happened. It, it's just, and that's the unfortunate part about you know investing yourself in fantasy football is sometimes you need to be on it all times because these things can happen and and the harshest part about it all was you know his form in the opening couple of weeks that kind of got everyone to jump on and and I avoided him this week because I actually thought with Jai Simpkin out he was going to cop a tag from Finn McGuinness so I that was the only reason I got Setterfield in ahead of him but his you know his scoring was just remarkable of the opening two rounds at his price that you know it was worth getting on but He's burnt a lot of people, unfortunately, with that laid out. So uh, I do feel for a, a lot of the coaches who just didn't see it in time because it was just so last minute. You actually make a good point there. I think if it wasn't Hawthorne and it wasn't Finn McGuinness, I think his ownership would have been quite strong heading into that round and a lot of people would have actually got stuck. So, uh, yeah, it's you know just one of those rare things where it's just a few minutes before the start of the game and, you know, combined with being a high uh, fantasy impact type player. So it's just a rare situation, a bit unlucky there. So for those who had Cam McKenzie as the emergency on ground, uh, you actually took that and clapped your hands and moved on because that was really good. But if you had many other options there on the bench to come in to replace that, it was just probably a poor week there as well. So a bit unfortunate The other problem there. from here as well, yep. Pete, is, is um, he has Carlton, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Melbourne in his next four. So there's only really one game there where... It should be, you know, easier to win the ball against the Suns, although they had a win over the weekend against Geelong. So it's a really tough fixture from here. Like everyone wanted him in for the Tassie game against Hawthorne, and and he's missed that. So can he keep up the hundred plus scoring against the top tier teams when North start to get a little bit more exposed? That's you know a hard sell now if you hadn't got him in. Yeah, and a calf concern last week, so I got a knock on his calf last week and obviously withdrew before the game. And, you know, he'll be a test for this week as well. So I'm not too sure there'll be that many positive in there, uh, people looking to trade him in. So we'll see how that week pans out for his availability for round four. So let's move on here. Josh Dunkley, 116 points. So he's providing a pretty good coverage in that forward line for fantasy coaches. Yeah, a bit of a relief after the opening couple of rounds. We were kind of waiting to see if he he'd finally get back to his best. And to be honest, I think the opening quarter, he wasn't scoring very well either. There, there were doubts that, um, you know, was he going to be able to do it? And then he just a rocket uh, about 10 minutes in and, and blew away the competition um, and, and kind of never looked back. So, yeah, really kind of confidence-building performance to, to have your F1 finally get 110 when you paid a lot of money for him. And, and it almost levels things out now. His break-even's at 116, which he just got on the weekend. So... Um, it's obviously not easy to get that, but you imagine you're not going to be leaking too much cash anymore if you did hold him. So um, I do think he's a set-and-forget player, but um, you know there'll be a couple of coaches who didn't start with him who will be pretty excited that they may be able to get him at a, a discounted price now. 
Tim English, 111 points, so a bit of an interrupted pre-season for him with a couple of niggles, but he's had a very strong start to the season. Yeah, and he's done it against the best rucks in the comp. You know, round one, Melbourne against Gorn and Grundy, round two against Marshall, and now round three against Moscow McInerney. So he's delivered against the best. So well, I think when he's healthy, he is the best ruckman in the comp now. Tim English, which is really exciting, but also dangerous. You know, uh, I didn't start with him because of his injury history, that he, he struggles to get through a season completely. And there is probably going to be a stage at some point this year where he ends up falling out because he has a training injury or something and he misses a couple of weeks and it will throw a bit of panic to some coaches. But, I mean, if you, brought, if you started with him or if you're planning on bringing him in, it's, it's still worth the punt because he, he is the best ruckman in the game right now. And, um, he's up against Nan Kervis, who's had a, a pretty good, great start as well this weekend. So, um, again, he's just going to be tested. But if he can get through that, he's got a pretty decent run coming from round seven onwards. So, you know, Hawthorne, the Giants, Carlton, that, that's a nice, tasty run for a guy who's already averaging 110. So, uh, yeah, I really like him at the moment, Tim English. 111 points for Tim Taranto and another player providing good coverage in that forward line. Yeah, I think um, we spoke about it the last couple of weeks that he's broken the mould a bit as, you know, Richmond players who can score well, which didn't really happen in the past. And again, just an all-round performance for Tim Taranto, especially, you know, there were the concerns about the wet. And Collingwood with that high-pressure footy, could the Richmond midfielder stand up? No, Jacob Hopper either. Um, and Tim Taranto had no dramas. So, yeah, he, he's another set-and-forget forward who, who feels like, depending on how many games Richmond can win, he'll be up, up there for Brownlow votes, he'll be up there as an All-Australian prospect. Um, yeah, he, he's doing a bit of everything at the moment um, and feels like, yeah, one, one of those players who moves to a new club and, and it works wonders for them. Nick, that cost 100 points. It felt like that, you know, just watching on the vision... Uh, from the office here that, you know, that some Richmond players had an eye out for Nick Dagos where he was on the ground. It wasn't a pretty solid tag, but it was somebody keeping an eye on him for his movements there, So which was quite interesting, but he still gets there 100 points, solid round three. Yeah, I think Jack Graham started on him, which was a little bit of a concern in the wet that he was going to struggle considering marks were going to be difficult to come by, and it definitely wasn't his best game, and he, he wasn't, you know, that live wire X factor we've seen, but to still manage to get to 100 with all those things around him, you know, as you mentioned, the Richmond players targeting him at times, the, the wet weather footy, he still managed to find a way to, to rack it up and still get a couple of marks as well and, and force his way to a ton. So, you know, 114, 117, 100 is a, a pretty remarkable start for a 20-year-old. Um, yeah, he, he's someone you need to have in your back line because he, he's going to be playing a lot of midfield minutes um, and he's shown over the opening three rounds, so Port Adelaide and Richmond, that he can you know, deal with not even a hard tag, but even just some sort of work being put into him, that, that he can work around that. So the concerns of the preseason are gone. He won't have those games where he's tagged down to a 40. Uh, he could maybe have 80s, but I think he's he's certainly a star of the game right now. Yeah, it's going to be quite scary. He's going to put up some pretty scary uh, games with regards to the scoring output there. So... Uh, yeah, quite fearful for those that don't have him yet. He should be a high priority as soon as possible. On to the next one here. So James Sisley, 132 points. Uh, obviously, plenty of plus sixes in there as well. Uh, he was quite solid in defence for the Hawks. Yeah, really disgusting performance from North Melbourne in a way that they allowed so many marks. It was a really low-pressure contest at times where, yeah, there were these cheap little dinky plus six 
back and forth between players, and, and we'll touch on Will Day in a moment. He got a lot of those. Um, James Sissel is the, the backline general, and we've we've seen these big scores now, and we've kind of come to know that he's a player who has a monster ceiling and occasionally can under deliver. But um, yeah, he, he's shown that he's kind of worth the investment in the opening three rounds because at his worst he's an 80s player, and at his best he can hit 130. He's done that twice now, so. Um, yeah, his break even's 90, so he's still got more money to make, averaging 116. And um, the, the difficult part becomes, you know, what happens with Hawthorne from here. Obviously, winning on the weekend's great, but they're, they're still trying to find their feet a little bit. So that, that back six may shuffle, but I think they've they've got their best players there at the moment now. So um, there's no reason why they they can't keep working the way that they do. Geelong next week, the Giants and the Crows after that. So. Yeah, Sicily is going to be racking up a ton of marks, I think, over the next few weeks. 132 points from Dylan Moore. His work rate from half forward to, you know, D50 and up and back, up and back. Just it puts him in a position to collect plenty of disposals there as well. A uh, massive game for him against North Melbourne. Yeah, I think the the hope this year was that he was going to get more midfield minutes as well. Um, obviously, they're, they're trialling a fair few players through there with McKenzie, Warble and Day and I think Moore's, you know, occasionally still getting that around the ground. It's probably not as much as we would have liked as a as a forward option, but yeah, he still has that really high ceiling because he can do so much. He can, he can score, he can find the footy, and he can get around the ground. So, one thirty two is really exciting, especially after you know that slow build of an eighty six and one hundred nine before that. So, yeah, more money to make, um, a decent little pot up forward if, if you're thinking about it. I think there are safer options if you go, you know, Dunkley, Taranto, Rosie, and Goulden ahead of him, but. Yeah, it could be something that every now and again could win you a game if you had him instead of someone else. Absolutely. So next one here, Will Day. He has been excellent for Hawthorne to start the season. Obviously moved inside to the midfield uh, this year. Uh, he, again, he has been excellent, provides a different dynamic for the Hawks at centre clearances. Um, again, outstanding starts of his season. Yeah, I think, I think the best part about it, um, aside from yeah, the, the easy plus sixes that he got over the weekend, which he won't be getting every week, is... When he is playing in the midfield, he is impressing. It's not like where you have a James Warple in there at times whose disposal efficiency can be incredibly poor and and he is racking them up, but he's not actually impacting the game. Will Day was one of their best on the weekend. He would have made the votes for sure. And that obviously will instill Sam Mitchell with a lot of confidence to keep him in there when they're trying to find their feet about how this mix works. So um, for a player who we kind of thought maybe was 50-50, he would go half back and then a bit in the middle. Um, maybe he's going to be a pure midfielder soon because getting around the ground up and down those wings as well on the weekend, he, he was electric. And maybe if they just go all in on, on Will Day, they find themselves a superstar. And, and there's just no risk with him now. If you didn't have him before, his break-even's 24. He's gone 90, 90, 120. Even if he does you know, disappoint he's going to make money anyway. So, you know, projected score of 79 has him making 45000 this week. So why not strap yourself in and, and give it a crack? Next one here, Sam Doherty. So excellent role that sits, you know, on that D50 line through that midfield there as well. 136 points for him in round three. Yeah, there were some doubters after the 79 the week prior that maybe he wasn't worth the coin. But, I mean, anyone who would have seen round one knows at his best, Sam Doherty is certainly worth it. He's still running around the ground, getting some midfield time as well and, and finding the footy quite comfortably. And, yeah, the marks kind of got him to that massive score this weekend, which will come and go. But um, I'm still impressed by the possessions. You know, 39 
is a massive amount <laughs> and and he's he's getting you know at least to the 20s comfortably every week so yeah he's worth the coin i understand he's a very high price but he's a set and forget d1 this year and um really exciting that he's you know signed on an extension for a couple more years as well like it, it feels like a player that even though he's heading towards the back end of his career he's certainly not looking like it right now on to the next one here, Josh Kelly returns from concussion protocol and just throws out a casual one twenty six points. <laughs> yeah, it's good for everyone who held him to be honest. Um it would have been a, a pretty difficult decision considering he missed that Eagles game. But yeah, he, he's their best midfielder right now. I think he and Tom Green are leading the charge and Cornelio being in there is is a great result. But yeah, Josh Kelly isn't that wing player we were worried about. We we kind of thought maybe that he was getting pushed out, but no, he's their, their best midfielder comfortably at the Giants, and, and that's great because he's a huge ball winner. Um, and unlike Tom Green, he's, he's not a huge handballer, which is good. So he's more of a kick-knife player, which helps to those bigger scores. Darcy Parrish won 20 points. Uh, he's pretty solid against St Kilda on Saturday night. Yeah, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, hasn't he? He's had a really yeah. good year considering the names around him. And I think um, you know most people like myself would have got on Setterfield and and Zach Merritt obviously is very consistent, but but Darcy Parrish is is putting together a nice little start to the season, 107, 103, 120. So um, again, another good pot option uh, at the low 900s um, if you're you know looking for a sideways trade perhaps. But um, yeah, for those who started with him, you, you've done very well because there the were game was that concern with a new coach. What was the midfield mix going to look like? And I probably should have been a bit smarter with that leading in because I, I didn't mind the look of Darcy Parrish. And to be honest, I don't think he can play many other roles that well. So if I was Brad Scott, I would have put him in there. And, um, yeah, for those who realise that, uh, obviously have picked themselves a gem, maybe at an F3 or an M4. 126 for Tom Stewart. Misses just the one week with a knee injury, which is amazing. He comes into a pretty dry game there on the Gold Coast today. And, uh, yeah, he just racked them up across half back for Geelong. Yeah, there's something in the water down at Geelong because to, to have an MCL and come back basically within a week is is incredible. <laughs> I don't know what's happened there because it should have at least been a month, and and now it puts him as this you know in this position as a really intriguing prospect. He, he's obviously lost some money because of the 14 he scored in round one, but you know now he's he's certainly gettable. He's off 126, so you know his ceiling, but. It's so unknown as well because, as you said, it was a dry game where there was a lot of marking down back. Is that going to happen every week? We don't know. But, you know, his break-even's leveled out now. He's basically at 106. So he's probably not going to lose much more money from here. He's dropped basically 80K. So he's probably underpriced, and this would be the week to take the punt on him. But he's 14 round one and, and then a 126 round three. It's you know, is the 126 or at least his 100s going to be a consistent performance from Tom Stewart or is he going to have, like we saw at the back end of last year, a couple of those games where he was going 60-70 and um, that's going to be the gamble that a lot of people will be weighing up this week. Clayton Oliver, awesome start to his season. So he punishes at 111 points against uh, Sydney today and he was awesome in that midfield. Yeah, I'm loving his work. We've seen over the last couple of weeks, even when he gets attention put into him, he still finds the footy and he just does everything, which is, you know, what Rory Laird was doing at his best, a tackler, a possession getter, a goal scorer. Um, yeah, he's he's doing it with ease right now. And a lot of the time you can see him when he doesn't have the footy. If you watch the wide shots, he's kind of just jogging on the outside and, and managed to get into space for a nice little 45 pass. So, 
um, yeah, he, he's he understands the game so well, and I, I put him down as my Brownlow um, pick at the start of the year. So I'm hoping that that pays off. But um, I, I feel like, yeah, he's easily a top eight midfielder by the end of the year. The way that he's going, Melbourne's obviously rocking and rolling right now, which doesn't hurt him either. So yeah, if you want to maybe go sideways again, you could Rory Laird to him if he's still held. But the hard part is he's just getting his price is starting to push away now. <laughs> so yeah. he's a one, 1.4 million um, break even of 116, which he could easily get next weekend. So um, it, it gets harder and harder to get him if he didn't already. So um, not sure if it's a priority considering everything else that's happening around with some other teams, but West Coast this weekend, just it, it could be a really, really big score <laughs> for him. <laughs> Yeah, certainly could be. On to the next one here. So the one player that I was really interested to look at heading into round three was Brody Grundy. And obviously with Max Gorn solo on due to injury, I wanted to see the scoring rate and just his specific role for Grundy against Sydney on Sunday. So 106 points and I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I think we mentioned last week that um, he obviously had a high hit out count against Brisbane, but... It wasn't really to advantage, and there was that concern. Is he going to get around the ground and, and still win footy? Because at his best, we know Brody Grundy has a big pack marker who actually, in a way, can be a midfielder <laughs> and kind of set up plays. And, and we saw more of that against the Swans, you know, 21 touches alongside his 25 hit-outs. So, yeah, he's the sole ruck for the next month, at least. Um, it, it may be worth getting on him if you are a little concerned about the others that you have. That being said, the, the rucks are actually... a a pretty nice space to be in this year. The only concern is, you know, for those who started with Sherry and then went to Gorn, but you've got a really good couple of picks. I mean, Sean Darcy obviously had a great game um, considering he was up against no rucks in West Coast and that won't be consistent, but um, yeah, definitely performed. Now, Curvis somehow is, has been one of the, the best rucks of the competition right now. English obviously looking good, O'Brien as well. So um, I do like Brody Grundy, but um, especially at his price point. But I think, um, yeah, there's just so many good rucks going around right now that it would take something kind of forced to make you get him in, I think. Yeah, one of those people in that boat would be me because I started with uh, Tristan Cherry and I had uh, Darcy Cameron in my forward line as back oh, no. backup <laughs> to Cherry just in case. So uh, I activated that after week one. And now after week three, I've got to uh, make an adjustment for Darcy Cameron. So uh, copped it twice there, which is interesting. But, you know, that's part of the game that you need to make adjustments and figure it out. So Brody Grundy, I was really keen to see, especially today after Darcy Cameron went down over the weekend there as well, just to see, you know, would he be an option? And, yeah, he's certainly right in that ballpark there as well. So let's get on to the next one. Another ruck here, 128 points from Sean Darcy. But, uh, you know, obviously... With Luke Jackson in that team, you know, Long, Longmuir can pull that trigger of flipping that ruck, and he said that pretty much over pre-season, that, you know, the time spent in a ruck is going to be based on opposition. So it's not just that Darcy has a big week, one week, that that's it, and they're locked in for that role. Or I still expect some adjustments throughout the season, which is going to bring about some volatile scoring. So I still think it's a high-risk peak, but it was an awesome game today from Sean Darcy. And if it wasn't for Caleb Strong, who we'll talk about next, he would have won that uh, medal today. Yeah, I think um, if you're looking at it in isolation, excellent performance. But if you're being realistic about it, a lot of people got off him heading into this past week because of the 61 against North Melbourne. Playing against West Coast, they don't have a ruck. Bailey Williams is not up to scratch. And 
anyone that plays West Coast this year in terms of rucks is going to have a field day. So um, Brody Grundy, yeah, very enticing heading into this weekend. But um, I actually, if you're in a Darcy Cameron situation and you're looking for options, it is basically Sean Darcy and Brody Grundy around that price point. And, and I think, to be honest, I would prefer Brody because Sean Darcy has Riley O'Brien this coming weekend. Then they play the Suns, so Jared Witts, and then Tim English, the Western Bulldogs, and Oscar McAmini, the Brisbane Lions. It's a brutal month ahead. And I understand he, he had a monster performance uh, today, but it, it's not – he hasn't really impressed in the opening three rounds. Like One big game against a ruckless side doesn't really turn the tide for me. Uh, I want to see some consistency and – and with the fixture that's coming up, it's it's not favourable to him. So I think Brody Grundy is, is the better investment, albeit it's a little bit more expensive. I think it's about 20k more. But, um, you know, you, Sean Darcy's not a bad pick, but as you said, he just feels volatile and, and not unsafe a little bit. Yeah, and the matchup for Brody Grundy this week is against West Coast. So if Sean Darcy can pump that score out, I'm sure Brody Grundy might want a piece of that action as well. Yeah. So. Let's move on to the next one here, the final one we're going to talk about for round three. 127 points from Caleb Sarong. He takes home uh, the medal today in the Derby. Yeah, I think um, for a couple of years now, a lot of fantasy players have been getting him in as that mid-price, hoping that he would take the next step, and he, he didn't. The last years, I was one of them, I think, two years ago, um, and and I was too afraid to get on him this year because of that, and he starts the year with an 83, and you think, oh, here we go again. He's not going to be the 100 player we hoped, and now he's gone 115, 127 in the last couple of weeks. And, and obviously he was the catalyst that kind of lifted Frio uh, over the line today. We, you know, they weren't that impressive against West Coast, all things considered. You know, the Eagles had one man left on their bench and, and haven't been a great team heading into the years, which doesn't fill me a lot of, with a lot of confidence about Fremantle. But the role is there for Caleb Sarong now. And that fight is obviously a full forward. He wasn't playing on this weekend, but even when he comes back, it's not going to hurt him. Um, I think David Mundy being out of this side has, has certainly locked him into that midfield mix. Andrew Brayshaw didn't really perform that early either today, but that's kind of good in a way that Brayshaw takes more of the attention than Sarong does. So, um, yeah, I think you now he's shown that he has the potential to be a 90 to 100 player, which was always the concern that he probably felt more like an 80s guy where he had those odd big scores but wasn't consistent with them. He's now done it in back-to-back weeks. He's won a Ross Glendinning medal, and he has Adelaide on the weekend to, you know, do give up some scores in the middle. So um, if he started with him, good job because, uh, you know, he's making money now. He's breaking even 67, and, and you can ride him for a little bit from here with the fixtures. But um, do you chase to try and get in at 24K? Again, it feels like a luxury trade. Okay, Aaron, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Can you let the listeners know where to find you this week? Uh, you can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. I'll be calling the Crows and Fremantle game on Saturday. So we're going to do SA Grandstand from the ground leading into the game. Uh, Matthew Nix should be joining us on the program because we were supposed to have him for showdown weekend and unfortunately he got crook on Saturday morning. So uh, it'd be great to chat to him after showdown win. Very excited to hear what he has to say and, and obviously we'll quiz him a fair bit about that midfield mix and, and what is going on with the likes of, you know, Sam Berry, Isaac Rankin, Josh Shelley, um, and yeah, the Adelaide Fremantle game. Really exciting. You know, again, Frio under, underperforming right now and, and Adelaide feel like they're starting to take that next step. So um, you've got two really youthful sides that, that could result in some big scores. 
You can find me on AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter, obviously associated AFL Ratings Twitter accounts as well. Plenty of knowledge there as well being pumped out on a daily uh, situation. And then obviously aflratings.com.au for a stack of information there. Well, good planning for this week, Aaron, and we'll chat to you at the end of round four. Thanks, Pete.